Okay. Um, what chapter are we in? Thirteen. Thirteen. Very good. What happened in chapter twelve? What did we introduce in chapter twelve? Bainani. Very good. <laughs> Mazel tov, by the way. Okay. Yes, in chapter twelve we introduced the Bainani, and we're going to continue to discuss the Bainani. The Bainani, after all, is the main character of this book, Sefer Shalbainanim. So, uh, let's, without further ado, let's just get into chapter 13. Perig Yud Gimel. Uvizeh Yuvan, Loshin Maim Rizal, Bainim Zevizeh Shaiftan, Now we can understand something that we mentioned in chapter 1. Way back in chapter 1, when we were throwing out these terms, Tzadik Rosh without even really knowing yet what they meant. We mentioned the Gemara that says, Beninim shoiftan. A shoifet is a judge. Beninim have two judges, the Yetzirah and the Yetzirah. Yetzirah, Yetzirah. You ever seen in the cartoons? When the Don- Donald Duck will have the little devil on the shoulder and the little angel on the shoulder. Okay? Yes. Exactly. Dichsiv, like it says, He stands on the right of the pauper to save him from those who would condemn his soul. It doesn't say that he has two rulers, it says he has two judges. What's the difference between a shoifet and the meishel? A judge and a ruler, a ruler and a judge? Because if he would have two rulers, even if that one, even if one of the rulers only only got to rule for a brief second, then he would be a rasha for that moment, even if it's a moment when he allowed the Yetzirah to be a ruler. So the Yetzirah is not a ruler in the case of of the Benini. Allah rather ha yitzhara enai rak al derakh mashal kama shafat vadaina imadaita bamishpat he's just a judge who says his opinion like a panel of judges like a supreme court where you do have a dissenting opinion so he's not the yitzhara in the Benini is not a mushal not even for a second if he would be a mushal if he would be able to take over and take the wheel and be the one directing the expression of the three garments of the soul, any one of those garments, for however brief a moment, if that were to happen, he wouldn't be a Bainini. This person would not be a Bainini, he'd be a Rasha. However, that's not what happens. That's not what happens. The Yetzirah does not moishal, it's not leading, controlling, carrying anything out. No. Oh, so he doesn't have a Yetzirah. I didn't say that either. Then he would be a Tzaddik. He has a Yetzirah. But its function, rather than being a Maishal, is that of a Shoifet. A Deazagar. Someone who says his opinion. So, everyone's entitled to their opinion. And that's really the condition of the Benini. He has a Yetzirah that is giving its opinion. He's like a keyboard warrior. You know, the people online... 
who like to give shocking uh, hot takes on every issue, trying to troll you. Now, that's basically the Yitzhahara in Abenini. He likes to say his shocking, uh, ridiculous ideas, and you can't block him. It's like shrugged off. Yeah, you just feel, okay, that's him again. Very cute. Yeah, all right, yeah. You can't block him. You can't make him, if you could block him, you'd be a tzaddik. But uh, no, you're going to see his ridiculous comments. And uh, you just got to shrug him off and not let him uh, actually take control, even for a second. Okay. So the Alter Rebbe says here, so the, 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 the Yetzirah in the Benin, he never gets a chance to be Moshal, he never gets a chance to rule, he only gets to say his Deah. Even though the Yetzirah is vociferously stating his opinion, let him say his opinion, let him say it as freedom of speech, say it as loud as you want, man, but that's just your opinion. So he doesn't have to be the one who gets his way because there's another judge. Who's the other judge? It's a Taiv who's going to come and say, but I also got an opinion. Oh, so now we got a, what do you call it, stalemate? It's a has got an opinion. It's a Taiv's got an opinion. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? You know about the guy, first night after the chuppah, he says, you know what, tomorrow morning is my first day as a married man my new life i'm gonna get up at 5 a.m and go to koilo i'm not gonna sleep in i'm gonna get up at 5 a.m and go to koilo that's what he said he's gonna do he set the alarm for 5 a.m and he woke up at 5 a.m and he says you know what he heard a voice that said go back to bed sheva brachas go back to bed he says oh i know you you're the yitzahara get out of here and he was about to get out of bed and uh then he heard another voice saying come on start your new life Sheva Brachas is perfect time to get up at 5 a.m. He says, ah, I know you, you're the Yetzir Taif. I'm going to listen to you. But then he heard that first voice come back and it said, hold on a second, you're going to disturb your wife. She, come on, you're like a king, you got to sleep in a little. It's okay, you'll wake up before from Krishna. He's like, oh, that sounds very reasonable. Hold on, I think this is the Yetzir And then another voice came and he said, come on, you got to get up and... Uh, However you start your new life, this is how it's going to be for forever. And he says, yeah, that's the Yetzir Toif. And anyways, he said, they were, they were going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Yetzir Hara, Yetzir Toif, Yetzir Hara, Yetzir Toif. And each one would say such a good argument. The other one would have a counter argument. And they were arguing back and forth. I want to tell you, though, in the end, yeah. you know who won? Yetzir Toif won. It took him five hours, but he won in the end. <laughs> It oh, took him five, five hours, hours, but he won in the end. 10 it's a Taiv won. By 10 a.m., the Yitzhah Taiv won. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> the Yitzhah is a Shafit. He says his opinion. And the Yitzhah Taiv is a Shafit. He says his opinion. Okay, we have a stalemate. You have to uh, reconcile between the two. And then the, the ruling is going to be according to the tiebreaker. So the evil inclination says his opinion in the left ventricle of the heart. And then from the left ventricle of the heart, that thought goes up to the brain to think about it. 
Umiyad, and immediately, as soon as it gets there, the second judge disputes it. Who's the second judge? That's the godly soul which is in his brain. Like we learn in chapter 9, that the place, the location of the Yetzirah is both the brain, but also then it's like uh, colony is the right ventricle of the heart. So now you have the Yetzirah coming up from the left ventricle of the heart, going up to the brain to try to be Mahar in its in its impulse. And then you have the Yetzirah countering from the brain and going down to the right ventricle of the heart. And we're in a stalemate. And what are we going to do? The halacha, the final ruling, will be like the tiebreaker. Who? Who's the tiebreaker? Yeah, you know, that Kaddish Baruch who's always, he's got his favorites. So, yeah, you're always taking his side. Yes, that's true. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to take the side of the Yetzer Toiv. So when we need to have a tiebreaker, very conveniently, Baruch Hashem. Now, if you don't put up any resistance, so then the tiebreaker doesn't help. But if you're stuck in a stalemate, the tiebreaker is going to come break the tie. Yeah. Yes. As opposed to? Oh, you're asking, is this telling us what to do, or is it just describing no, us? This is what we ended off with last week, that the Benoni externally in the garden yeah. is perfect, but it, there's an okay. internal conflict, so now we're just delving into the... Okay, yes, it's correct. Basically, what we said last week, the condition that we described last week, we are now describing the inner mechanics of what is occurring. Because we said sort of in a very general way, that the, in, in last week in chapter 12, that the Benini is never going to listen to the Yetzirah. Okay, but that's the end result. What, what's behind the scenes? So now we're describing the behind the scenes. Behind the scenes, there's one Shafet says his idea or his opinion, another Shafet says his opinion, and then Hashem comes in as the tiebreaker between them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's from if somebody listens to the shayfet of the Yetzirah, then he's, then Hashem doesn't even have a chance to come and break the tie. He didn't give it a tie-breaking situation. So Hashem only steps in if it's equal. Right. You do your part. They both have good reasons. They both. The Yetzirah never has good reasons. So when does Hashem step in? When you resist. He can only come in and break up a tie. If you roll over, if you roll over and you just go and do whatever the Yitzhahara wants, Hashem doesn't, what can he do there? You have free choice. When it's a tie, a tie doesn't mean objectively that they both have equally valid arguments. A tie means where you are giving pushback to the Yitzhahara. Yetzirah comes to you and says, do this. And you say, okay, well then, Hashem's not getting involved. He gave you free choice. Okay, but let's say the Yetzirah comes to you and says, hey, I got an idea. And you counter that from your Yetzirah and say, no. Oh, well now we're in a deadlock. What are we going to do? So then Hashem comes in 
and breaks the tie by saying, let's go with the Yetzirah. You have to create the stalemate by resisting the Yetzirah. If you don't resist the Yetzirah, there's no tie to break. Well, no, no, that's the whole point he's making. On your own, on your own, you would not be able to resolve this situation. You'd be stuck forever. It's because Hashem's going to come in and give a boost to the Yetzir Toiv that the situation will get resolved favorably. But only once you resist it. But only once you resist it, correct. That's right. You you t- you take the first step, and the Shem will have your back. Right. Is that always the case, or Hashem always lets? You Hashem always, yes, yes, yes. Now, can I say that the mechanics that are described here about the Benini would also apply to the Russia when the Russia chooses to fight the fight? The only thing is that Russia doesn't always fight the fight. So Hashem can't come in and take your side if you haven't yourself taken a side. Well, if the Russia came in and decided to take the side of the Sahara, does Hashem come in? Still no, you have free choice. Hashem? What? No, if you... If it's you, not going to change it. It's only there if you have to make a decision between the two. When you need... When you're, but once you're leaning already to that side, he doesn't come in to try and persuade you? No, you have free choice. Okay. So you're asking, are we able to finish this and resolve this on our own? And listen to what the Alta Rebbe says. He quotes the Gemara here. Kamaymer is out. If Hashem wouldn't come to his assistance, the person's assistance, he would not be able to overcome the Eitzer Hara. Yeah. If you would not have divine assistance, you would never be able to overcome the temptation. Hashem created the Eitzer Hara so well. He designed it to be so effective at what it does that it is insurmountably um, resistant. You, you, cannot, you cannot overcome it on your own. On your own. Underline the words on your own. What about that first step? That's not overcoming it. The first step isn't overcoming it. You cannot win this on your own. Let me say it like this. There is no secular humanistic model of Tanya. With all of Tanya's impulse control and what people try to say, oh, this is CBT, and all of that, there is an inherently spiritual and theistic foundation of the entire model, which is that ultimately your impulse control only is favorably resolving the, 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 the conflict because of a godly assistance. So you can only get it so far, you can't finish the job on your own. Okay, this is not just, uh, 
you can do this, you've got it, just say no, just resist, yeah, I would like to do that, but my human power on its own is insufficient to overcome my own Yetzirah. I need Hashem, yeah? Well, uh, so now you want to say, and I like that, it's very Jewish to say, well then, how can we blame anyone for any sin? Because really, it's Hashem, he should have stepped in. When one little kid is smacking another little kid, where's the, where's the mora, where's the mommy, where's the, uh, the tati too? where's the adult to come break it up, right? So, and I like that, it's very Jewish to uh, hold Hashem accountable, but I want to answer and say, you know what? If you resist, Hashem will step in. It's where you didn't resist, and then what, what do you want Hashem to do? So, look, on one hand, we cannot overcome the Yitzhahara on our own. There's zero chance of doing it on our own. There's no secular humanistic parallel model for this. We can't do it on our own. On the other hand, Hashem, quote-unquote, can't be the machriya or the tiebreaker, unless you give him a tie to work with, which means that you resist. So we're sort of dependent on each other in this situation. We've got to resist, and then Hashem's got to come in and uh, make the difference, push us over the edge. But what does it mean when the Gemara says, if not for Hashem's assistance, we would never be able to overcome the Yetzirah? This is what it means. Yeah? We do resist. Yeah. Yeah, so the question is, but we do resist. Because we're not a bean any. What does it mean to resist and how much do we have to resist in order for Hashem to step in? These are the questions that are on the table right now. Or how about I change the question to how often do you have to resist? Because I think that's a more helpful way of phrasing it. Well, what I, was, what, I was, what I had in mind is this. I may be able to resist and overcome in this moment, but what happens if the same exact temptation persistently returns and after the tenth time I just get worn down and I tell the telemarketer, fine, whatever, okay, <laughs> Right? Because I'm just exhausted. So, what am I going to argue later? But I told him no ten times. Or I told him no nine times. And the tenth time, I just didn't have koyach left. So you're saying sometimes we resist and it doesn't work. Not really true. What happens is we, we, we stop resisting. We get tired of it. And one of the things you have to realize about the Bainani is that... He's committed to this grind. The Bainini is going to engage. You think that the Bainini resists one time in the morning and then it's like, oh, 
now, now it's smooth sailing until tomorrow? We said yesterday. The only time it's smooth sailing is in the middle of his davening, and then immediately after he finishes davening, he's being beset yeah. by all this internal conflict. And it doesn't mean once, it doesn't mean twice, it could mean every single second. And all you have to do is let your guard down once, and you're no longer a bainani. So you ask, how much does he resist? My, my answer is, how often? And the answer is, every time. Wow, 100% of the time. Yeah, well, that's the intensity of the bainani, is the, is the constancy of it. Yes, yes. Okay. Now, let's talk a little bit more specifically about the form that this divine assistance comes in. This presence of God which breaks the tie. Is it like a beam of light shines down and all of a sudden... Yeah, okay. So he explains what it is. V'ho'ezer, and the divine assistance... It is the divine emanation that shines godly light onto the godly soul. To give it a one-up, to give it an edge over the foolishness of the foolish Yitzhahara like the advantage of light over dark as mentioned above. Remember last week we spoke about our metaphor of light and dark? That the way in which light replaces darkness is automatic. The fact that the Yetzer Toiv and the Nefesh Alakis are able to displace the foolishness of the Yetzirah and Nefesh Bamis in the manner in which they do, is can only be attributed to this divine property endowed within them. In other words, the Yetzirah is not just doing God's work, it's also been endowed with a certain godly property, which is what we call the Ha'ara of Eir Hashem, which is Meir, which gives it the special advantage of light over dark. What we mean to say is the way that, we'll call it the Eir, the spiritual light, functions is it, it, it has different properties. It functions differently than the, the spiritual chayshech, the spiritual darkness. In other words, it's not really an even fight. It's not like two equal and opposite forces opposing each other. The Yetzirah functions in a way completely differently than the Yetzirah functions, just as light functions completely differently than darkness functions. And the upshot of that Let's go with the mushal. The upshot of the difference between how light functions than how darkness functions is, or at least one practical outcome of that is, how the manner in which light automatically replaces darkness. It's not an even fight. They're not really mirror images of each other that are engaged or embroiled. 
with each other. The nature of the Nefesh is that it, it, it's, how do I, how do I put this? It's not just, okay, when the two are fighting, you have two, uh, two boxers who are boxing each other and they're totally equally matched, but then you know, the fix is in because the, uh, the guy who owns the venue, he likes one fighter more than the other one. So when, uh, when there's about to be a tie, as in inevitably there's going to be a tie because they're totally evenly matched, so then the, the, the owner of, the, of Caesar's Palace comes in and smashes a folding chair over one guy's back. That's a little WWF action there. No, that's not what happens. That's not correct way to envision it. Think about it like this. The Yetzirah and the Yetzirah are fundamentally different in the way that they function. So that when they do square off against each other, there's something inherently different about the Yetzirah which gives it a fundamental um, advantage over the Yetzirah. Which is best likened to the way that light deals with darkness. It's not like you have, like where I was talking about last week, that, uh, you know, you have, uh, I gave you the HVAC muscle. You have a bunch of hot air in the room, you need to replace it with cold air. So you got to move out the hot air to move in the cold air. Remember I was talking about this last week, about air conditioning? Yeah? All right. But when you have light, it's not like, oh, you got to get, move out the darkness so you can move in the light. That's not how it works. Once you move in the light, the darkness is gone. Now, as we mentioned a few minutes ago, you may have to do that repeatedly, but at least in the moment, that's the nature of how light functions, and that's the best way, albeit metaphorically, to describe the inherent advantage that Hashem is giving the Yetzir Taif. That once the Yetzir Taif asserts itself, it automatically displaces the Yetzirah, at least for that moment. It's a rematch. It's a rematch. So you won that one. Now there's another one. Yeah. The point is not to be free of the challenge because you're going to be challenged and rechallenged. The point is to know that at any given moment when you are being challenged, you have to know that it's not a fair fight in a good way. In a good way. It's not a fair fight in a good way. That if you resist with your Yetzirah Toiv against your Yetzirah, Yetzirah Toiv has an inherent advantage over the Yetzirah. What does it mean to resist? What does that mean? Just tap into that energy of the Yetzirah Well, on a very simple level, he's just talking about being aware. Just being conscious of these two voices. I mean, a lot of early Tanya is just about identifying who's talking to me. You know, we, we tend to, our, in our pre-Tanya condition, 
assume that all internal voices are coming from the same place. And when you start learning a little bit of Tanya, even these early chapters, one thing that becomes very clear is not every internal voice that sounds like my voice and uses my own logic against me, for me or against me, depending who it is, um, not every voice that's going on inside my head is coming from the same place and has the same agenda. So a big part of this is just being aware. Well, there's some, some open and shut cases are pretty black and white. So the voice that comes and tells you to go do an Aveda, I, I don't have to like, hey, let's go look into that. Maybe that's the Yitzhahara. No, that was the Yitzhahara. Like, that's pretty obvious. Then there are more like expert level uh, pro tips because sometimes, yeah, like the Hayyemi Mechav Gimel Sivan talks about sometimes the Nefshe Bahamas will dress up like a chassid and tell you to do mitzvahs, because he knows if they'll tell you to do an Aveda, you won't listen. So they'll tell you to do mitzvahs, but they'll tell you to do mitzvahs that are not essential to your purpose in life in order to get you off the track. But that, that's, that's expert level. Let's not get into that right now. Yeah? So the way the Yitzhah are told operate for the Binoni, and the rest of us are probably The way it operates is the same for everybody. That, that's not different. I mentioned that earlier. I'll say it again. These mechanics are not unique to the Bainini. What's unique about the Bainini is that he exercises it flawlessly. But when, when anybody makes the right choice, these, this is what happens. Okay. So he immediately displaces the, the, the spiritual darkness with spiritual light. However, since the negativity in the left ventricle of the heart is still in its full strength, it hasn't gotten weakened over the years, it's still vibrant, it's still very robust, and it still desires all types of physical worldly pleasure. It hasn't become nullified, it hasn't been dislodged whatsoever. The only thing is, it doesn't have any power to spread itself out into the limbs. Meaning, on an emotional level, the Nefshabam is, is very active and very vocal. It just doesn't get to carry out its will into actual behaviors. Because Hashem is taking the side, is standing behind the, the pauper, the pauper is the Nefeshelikis, and assisting him. Therefore, this persona is labeled as Kirasha, with a Chafadimian, like a Rasha. He's not a Rasha, he's a Benini. But he's like a Rasha, in as much as his internal struggle is identical to that of the Russia. <coughs> the outcome is different than the Russia's outcome, but the internal struggle is the same. Kemai Mirazal, 
אפילו כל העולם כולם הם לוחות צדק עתו, היה בעיניך כרשע. Remember in chapter 1, very beginning, the first few lines. What do you do? The whole world tells you you're a tzaddik. Say, no! I'm not a tzaddik. You should be in your eyes like a rasha. He says, yeah, like a rasha. V'lay rasha mamish, not literally a rasha. Like a rasha. So that one little letter, that one little letter makes a huge difference. Now we've answered one of the big early questions. In Tanya, remember in the very beginning of Tanya, we said, hold on a second. The Gemara says, if everyone tells you you're a tzaddik, say no. I'm not a tzaddik. I should think of myself in my own eyes as a rasha. So he says, it doesn't mean as a rasha. Think of yourself that you are a rasha. It means similar to a rasha. In what respect? Internally, I've got the same, I've got the same uh, impulses as a rasha. And, and, I sh- and, and furthermore, like he says here, I shouldn't fool myself to think that those impulses have waned. You, let me ask you a question. Because the Bainini has had flawless behavior for a year, for 10 years, for 50 years, you think that ma- makes his animal soul weaker? No. No. no not at all. Not at all. He's still Kirasha. Internally, he's still grappling with the same stuff that the Russia grapples with. He just... He's not really grappling. It's just to hear her machshava. A momentary thought that he manages to push away. So much so that that's not, his machshava is not... But that's, but that's what grappling means. Huh? That's, that's a big fight. Let's not minimize it. Let's not... Let's not uh, I thought it's not a fight. I thought it's not it's a, a huge fight. fight. It's a huge struggle. it's just a momentary thought that he manages... A momentary thought that comes every moment. <laughs> this nudnik, yeah, it is exhausting. It can be exhausting. Yeah, it can be exhausting. Yeah. It's like a recovering addict who has to surrender to a higher power. They say an addict is never not an addict even when they stop using. It's every single day. Right. So it's a very, it's a very good comparison in many ways, maybe not 100% consistent, but in a lot of ways, and one of the things you're saying is, you know, the higher power thing. Like we were just saying, the fact that I'm able to make the right choices consistently and maintain status as a Bainini, not because I'm so strong, no. And it's not because my disease is less strong, no. <laughs> and, and he had to take the first step. And he, he had to take the first step, step right, right. And then Hashem comes in, and does what we cannot do for ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But it's very important, this idea that, you know, you, 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 you mentioned recovery as a muscle. I've heard guys say, while I'm sitting here in the meeting getting sober, my disease is out in the parking lot doing push-ups. <laughs> right? So or I heard a guy once say that, you know what, you know what uh, sobriety is? It's like you turn a stereo to full blast, and then you unplug it, and then you come back a year later and plug it back in. It's right back to full blast. So don't think that for, you know, because you, you have recovery for a year, for 10 years, for whatever it is. Oh, so the problem went away. No, that's called being a tzaddik. Halavai. That would be beautiful. But that's not what happened. What happened is you are doing the things you need to do to be able to consistently make the choices that you can make. And then Hashem comes in and... 
makes it successful. But, and, and without Hashem, it's impossible. But it's that partnership. I have to make the right choices. If I don't consistently do the things that I have to do, you know, the, even with all of Hashem's help, this whole thing falls apart. So, yeah. Well, okay, so for practical purposes here, we're going to use the terms Yetzatoiv and Nefeshalakis synonymously, and we're going to use the terms Yetzahara and Nefeshabama synonymously. In other words, you can speak about Yetzahara and Yetzatoiv, or you can speak about Nefeshabamas, Nefeshalakis, but for practical purposes here, if you want to be more technical, they're not synonymous, but for practical purposes here, they're synonymous. Right. And it's perfect. The animal soul is the sefa when he struggles. Okay, no, here, here, let me correct your, your thinking. Your Nefshabamas isn't being attacked or tempted. You, who's you? That's a whole other discussion. That's a whole other, other discussion. You have a Nefesh Abamas and a Nefesh Elikis. And they're fighting over you. Who are you? Let's just say in the terms that we're already familiar with, chapter 9, you're the small city. Okay? So it's not that you are one king or the other. It's that the two kings are fighting over you. To get, to get, um, Behavioral control. And to get, like, superiority. One is superiority means behavioral control. So So the tzaddik that we learned about in chapter 10, he also has two kings, but the king who normally ruins your life has either disappeared, he retired, he's gone, or he actually became best friends with the good king and carries out his agenda. So in the case of the tzaddik, the yisna oyer menachoshech, the advantage of the light over the dark, has even exerted itself on the emotional and cognitive levels, where he only has holy emotions and holy thought processes. On the, in the case of the benini, that advantage has only exerted itself as far as behavior. Yeah, sure. What the function of the tzaddik is, we're not so, uh, it's not so uh, pertinent to our discussion. Yeah, I don't know. I know, it's Sefer Shalbanim. We don't really find out the point of being a tzaddik in this book. No, no. I don't know. This book doesn't tell me the purpose of tzaddikim. The book only mentions a tzaddik to give me a range, just for context purposes. Actually, I shouldn't say that. Let me correct myself. There's one place where it clearly, and now I'm thinking of a second place, uh, where it tells me the role of a tzaddik in my life. First place is in Pedic Base, 
about the connection to the tzaddik. And then also in the next chapter, in chapter 14, in Perig Yudalad, it, it tells me that if I do everything I'm supposed to do, I could become spiritually impregnated with the ruach of a tzaddik. And it would... Yeah, okay, yeah, they're here to help us. Sure, okay. Sure. Yes. You're right. The tzaddik? No, they're just a different whole. They're just a different category. Okay. So listen to this. We just said that this benini is not a rasha, but he's kirasha. He's like a rasha. Vele rasha mamish, not literally a rasha. God forbid. Ella sheyachzik atzme lebenini. Rather, he should hold himself to be a benini. He shouldn't listen to everyone who tells him that his Ra became nullified to his Taiv because that's a description of a Tzaddik. So remember in the very beginning of Peregalov we said that even if the whole world tells you Tzaddik Ato, you are a Tzaddik, don't listen to them. Why not? Because you should know, yeah, this perfect behavior that the world is seeing, and they're, they're assuming that this is, this is uh, I roll out of bed in the morning and I behave like this without any struggle, that's why they think I'm a tzaddik. But I'm, I, I'm not under, those, under, under that misimpression. I know that my behaviors are tzaddik-like, but uh, internally there's a lot of struggle that goes into maintaining that. <laughs> Ella, rather... And if there's so much struggle, how is the machshava also not sinning? Do you understand? Remember we said there's three levushim. Machshava, divine, yeah, yeah. and anobainani is on all three levels. But just because he doesn't... Ha- I understand the question you're we don't mean to imply in any way that he's free from the impulse for, sin, for sinful thought. That's why I love that story about Reb Zev of Jitomer about the knock at the door. Please imagine, well, if you love the story, please imagine that the knock is going on 24-7, and it doesn't stop, and it goes for years. But you know, you don't open the door. Okay. But imagine there's a knock that doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. You wake up at 3 in the morning and it's still going. He's still knocking. You go on a vacation, you, it sounds like torture. It sounds like hell. Remember yeah. we discussed hell? That's what it sounds like, that little guy. That distraction, yeah. Distraction yeah. Don't we all have that? Don't we all have that? Except some of us succumb and the pain only does not succumb. So we all have that internal fight going on all the time. Well, I, I don't think it's consistent. I think there are fluctuations. There are times when the knock is louder and times when the knock is quieter, times when the knock is more frequent, sometimes when it's less frequent. But what we're describing here, a Bainani could very well be somebody who's constantly having that bid. I call it a bid. The Yetzahara is making a bid. Hey, can we think about this? Hey, can we think about this? Hey, can we think about this? You ever take little kids to the grocery store and they ask if they can buy candy? Okay, so sometimes you say no, and that's it. Sometimes 
It's an ongoing, it's the, you know, even after you left the grocery store. Can we go back and get, no. Sometimes you buy it. <laughs> and sometimes you buy it. And then you're, then you're a Russian, you're not a Bainini. Right. Bainini never buys the candy. I'll buy the candy when I want to buy the candy. Not when you tell me to buy the candy. You're asking a question, which is an inevitable question, which is, aren't there, I'm going to repeat your words, aren't there strategies we can put into place that would minimize the amount of struggle required? And the answer to your question is, absolutely there are, and we will need to ask this question and answer this question at some point. A hundred percent. At this point... We're simply learning our first tool, exert the inherent dominance of the mind over the heart in order to have perfect impulse control. Now, you're 100% right. At some point, I would, I would appreciate a strategy for mitigating the degree of impulse control that's going to be required. Which we must already be all utilizing to some degree. Yeah, yeah, okay. But that... so. Just so we'll keep you engaged here, uh, that's going to be the question in Perik Tes Zion and Yud Zion, and then we're going to return to it in Prokim Mem Aleph through Nun. We have to get there. But we have to get there, right? Okay. Yes. All right. So let's continue here. So he shouldn't believe that he's a tzaddik, even if the whole world tells him he's a tzaddik. Ella, rather, he should realize that the negativity in his heart is just as strong as the day he was born. It did not leave. Don't fool yourself. Even if you're flawless in your behavioral control, the Adraba, actually to the contrary, Nishazik Yesir Behemshik Hazman, Shnishtamish Beharba Bechilo Shdia, Usharn Yone Elam Haza. His Nefeshabamas actually got stronger over the years because he's been using it for his biological survival, like eating and drinking and other bodily things, which are unavoidable. It's unavoidable that the that the Bainani is going to have to hold on to his is Nefesh Bahamas, because that's what's going to maintain his physical survival of, you know, of, his, of his body. So here's, here's the crazy thing. You have this Benini who's been flawlessly managing the behavioral struggle for years or for decades, and you ask, well, after all this time, I would assume now your Nefesh Bahamas has atrophied maybe he's maybe he's uh weaker maybe he's uh he's given up and the reality is no actually my nefeshbamas is even stronger today than when i started struggling against him well if he's even stronger then how are you still able to maintain being a bainini well first of all yeah god is helping me yeah but also i'm stronger so he's stronger and I'm stronger, which is why, you know, if you're not going 
up, you're going down. Like running up the down escalator. Because the animal soul is going to get stronger over time. And that's in in the best case scenario where a person is a bainini and has perfect impulse control and the the animal soul is getting stronger over the years. Imagine the person who's indulging the animal soul by taking uh, behavioral missteps. So the important idea here is the identity of the Bainini. He has to know who he is. He has to understand that the the image that the world sees is one thing and that's within his power and that's why the whole focus is on that you know on the behaviors but that's just uh, the, the proverbial tip of the iceberg behind all of that he's kirosha he's exactly like like the Russia. Let's see how far we can go. Maybe a few more lines. Let's go maybe a few more lines. Va'af mean Shetetus Hashem Chefze, Viegebo, Yemavo Lila Lishma. Even somebody who his sole desire is to learn Taita and he meditates upon Taita day and night. That is not a proof whatsoever that he's gotten rid of the Ra. You look at the guy. He's a masmid bilimude. The guy doesn't do anything but sit and learn Torah all day. He must be a tzaddik. Maybe. But, but the fact that he sits and learns Torah all day is not the proof of that. In fact, I think you're beginning to catch on. There's absolutely no external proof that anyone's a tzaddik. So he's sitting and learning Torah all day. He must be a tzaddik. Mm, no, not necessarily. Rather, what's possible? That the essence, meaning the inner emotional cognitive traits of the animal soul are just as strong as ever. It's just on the level of the levushim, thought, speech, and action. The, the soul garments don't get a chance to express themselves in his brain, in his mouth, in his hands, in his other, uh, in his other uh, limbs. Why not? Because Hashem has given power of the mind over the heart and that's why the, the godly soul is able to maintain in the case of the Bainini perfect control over the small city which is the body that the end result is that the person is exclusively a garment or a vehicle for the thought, speech, and action of Torah mitzvahs. But the inner essence, 
Again, the thought, speech, and action are under control, but the uh, cognition and the emotions are not. Only at those rare moments where there's this intense revelation of love, at these special times, like, for instance, we said, when he davens. And even at those times, it's still having to hold it back. It's not like, you know, we'll put down our, our weapons and we won't get slaughtered. No, if we put down our weapons, we are going to get slaughtered. When one goes up, the other goes down. When one goes down, the other goes up. Rather, what happens is when you're in that mode of bina, of meditation, of his boniness, and it creates a fiery love for Hashem, so that momentarily displaces, even, even on the internal emotional level, any negative emotions. But that Ra is not bottle in the Benini, only in the Tzadik, where it says, my heart, meaning the negative emotions of the heart, are dead within me. So the tzaddik actually detests Ra, either completely or incompletely. Remember, those are the two levels of tzaddik that we mentioned in chapter 10. But by Abenini, even at the times of respite, it's like a sleeping guy. Don't poke the bear, right? He's just sleeping. It's like it's sleeping in his left ventricle. At the times when he's davening or saying Shema and the love is burning. And then, right afterwards, boom, comes flooding back. So you should know, even in the times when the Baini has this respite, where even on an internal level, his emotions are consistently holy and pure all the way 100%. Yeah, but that's a, that's a temporary condition that can be lost in an instant, and then all that other stuff will come back, and then the emotional conflict will return. Now, the behavioral conflict is always going to be 100%. He's always going to be flawless in that area. But emotionally, to be free from the distraction, that only happens at special times, like when he's very deep in prayer. Okay? Right, he has overwhelming feelings of love Hashem, so they're so overwhelming that it's as if it's as if everything else is gone, but it's really it's just it's just sleeping. Okay, um, we're going to stop there. We're going to continue next week, and Amir Hashem finish Perek Yud Gimel, and then I think we're going to break for Pesach. I think next week is our last class before Pesach, so uh, God willing, we'll finish Perek Yud Gimel next week.